Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy, as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website, as well as on this podcast. And my guest for this edition of the Xterra podcast is Jason Canigan, founder of Cold Star Technologies and the host of the Cold Star Project and Make Space Boring Podcasts. Jason, thank you for appearing on the Xterra podcast today. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Let's start at the beginning and talk about what is Cold Star Technologies and what does it do? Sure. Cold Star is an installer of systems for other companies. So we investigate, improve, and install. Uh, we focus on operational excellence, systems, processes. Our highest value is the truth. And that really comes out uh, in the looking at the mental movie founders or department heads have about how things are operating in their, their business. And then we map out what actually is happening. And you'll see every time there's a big divergence between that mental movie of what they think is happening and what's actually happening. And cleaning that up, uh, you get rid of all sorts of problems doing that. So those are the main areas that we operate in. Is anybody else involved and in what roles? Yeah, we've got a number of technical and legal and regulatory folks. Uh, some are here in, in the United States, some are in the United Kingdom. And uh, generally, we can take care of any space industry problem, uh, whether we're there, and, uh, and make sure that the company, <laughs> the client gets what they need and, and gets moving. Now, there seems to be an overarching theme for your business, and that's make space boring. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I lead with that, especially on my LinkedIn profile for new connections. Um, and, and it polarizes people. People either get it and love it or they don't like it at all. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Um, and it means the, the normalization of commercial space, the commercial space industry. I want people going to space jobs. I want investors putting big money into space companies. Uh, and you, Tom, being able to buy a space-made product or service and having it come straight down to you, and it's just normal. Normal like terrestrial Wi-Fi or taking public transit or taxi or something or Uber. You just do it. And you don't go, wow, this is really something. Well, you know, it's so weird, right? Just normal. So the normalization of space, just having it be part of our everyday lives as opposed to something that makes a big splash on TV, whether or not it's successful right. or not. Right, right. Now, you recently had an article published by the International Institute of Space Commerce concerning venture capital investments, and your premise seems to be that broad-based VC companies should limit their investments in space companies. Why do you make that argument? Well, the argument that I'm making is that um, funding should not be so easily accessible outside of space sector specific, there's uh, some alliteration, venture capitalists, okay? <laughs> uh, now, I have talked to many, many space sector venture capitalists. I, I've interviewed them for my show. Season three is all about that, of, mm -hmm. of the Cold Star Project. And what you get, I mean, after a while, you start seeing the same things and hearing the same stories over and over again is folks outside the space industry don't understand it. 
they invest by magazine, as it's called, where they point their, oh, look, this launch picture looks pretty. I'm going to invest in that, right? Uh, and something simple that they understand. This leads to, to real problems. Um, in the, in the um, IISC article that I wrote, uh, I point out some examples from the past where people have uh, funded government infrastructure projects uh, or things that look good on the outside and a lot of me too copycat uh, things like the Erie Canal and then suddenly everybody will canal just like that uh, but the conditions are not right and it's a debacle everywhere else right everybody loses money so we we do not want large-scale public failures in commercial space because that will turn everybody else off so we need the sort of the needlepoint sharp uh, sector investors leading the charge and then uh, if if the businesses are worthy then they can get funding and that's another thing to look for down the road is you want funding available down the road you want those larger stages available to you uh, and many people many investors even don't look down the road to see okay three rounds from now four rounds from now is there going to be the chunk of money and investment available uh, instead of just going well I'm going to dump uh, two million dollars into it today and hope for the best and then when they get there to that third or fourth round uh, it, the money that they need the further investment just isn't there so i want to avoid all those things by being a little more careful investing when you talk about investing in space companies you're really talking right now about companies that aren't um maybe as well established. We're not talking about a Boeing or a SpaceX or something of that nature. You're, you're working mm -hmm. more with the, not necessarily startups perhaps, but companies that are maybe a little bit more established and have some track record. Mm -hmm. is, that a, is that a fair assessment? Um, well, it's, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're working, you know, for, for years, Cold Star has been around since 2016. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I got into the space industry in 2019. So, uh, we have a history in the manufacturing field that we bring to uh, this this area, this field, and it needs it. <laughs> it needs this kind of expertise. Uh, the, I do a lot of uh, space venture capital pitch deck review, business model review calls. Uh, I do a lot of these initially for free, um, just assess and see what's going on. And uh, yeah, that's that's a state where I'm able to give a lot of direction and advice, and sometimes we can have ongoing uh, coaching programs where I'm able to guide those folks, those founders, into having the real conversations with potential customers that they need to be having. This, this is the thing that founders want to avoid. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you go look at Steve Blank's customer development stuff, I'm looking over there because I have business model generation, the book on a book stand right over there on my, uh, my non-computer working desk. I have an <laughs> L-shape area here yeah. right um and and they want to avoid these conversations but unfortunately that's where the money is that's what you need to go to a vc with so so yeah we can work with startups uh very different focus right mm -hmm. they don't have the process to stand on its own two legs like it needs to do it by itself but there's a there's a role for government investment i mean nasa makes huge investments in private mm -hmm. companies to further their their aims but it seems to me sure. that nasa looks at companies that are already at least have something that that they can say here's what we're going to do and maybe even have a product ready for market right um, i mean there's all those nasa NIAC grants right spark mm -hmm. you know there's a whole 
whole range of, of uh, taking there's half works now. Our, our engineering advisor, Dr. Rick Fleeter, would have kind of a snarky response to that. And I, I kind of agree with him that uh, DOD investment, NASA investment is not really commercial investment. It's merely the moving of uh, still government investment. Um, it's not really a commercial investment. It's just different labels. Do you anticipate changes in that kind of investment with the new Biden administration? And why or why not? Well, there's two pieces to that. One, um, we all know that the, the moon 2024 Artemis mission was uh, very um, positive, you know, not really going to happen date yeah. uh, for, for delivery of that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be. I think uh, the Biden administration is going to back off on that and focus on environmental issues, <clears throat> which is probably good for the the small sats and the the data industry, gathering data and and selling that. Uh, and I want people to remember that congressional funding is the main source here, not presidential order. Uh, Congress still needs to approve the spending and uh, often cuts back, right? And, uh, you know, like this last this last budget that was approved, it's like, woo, we got that, all right. You know, we should be happy. It wasn't the number we wanted, but, you know, it was decent. You're listening to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton, and we're talking with Jason Kanigan, founder of Cold Star Technologies and the Cold Star Project and Make Space Boring Podcasts. Uh, Jason, one of your focus areas is CubeSat manufacturing and process engineering. So tell us a little bit about what that means. Sure. Uh, so what, what, what I noticed in doing my research and talking to people in, in this industry in 2019 as I was uh, looking to enter it is, uh, look, Dr. Rick Fleeter can design rocket fuel and, uh, and other people can, but I, Jason Gannigan, should have no business near any of that, right? That's not really my thing. But manufacturing things, ah, now, now we've got an area that I know something about, right? Yeah. So CubeSats have uh, an interesting combination. First of all, the technology involved is not that complicated. It's kind of putting together the Lego parts. Now the attitude control guys will, and the propulsion system guys will tell me, hey, our stuff's complicated. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as, as other areas not. So it's pretty easy to understand technology. Um, the, the small sat industry had a 40 plus percent failure rate. It's still pretty high, although SpaceX by itself with their operational excellence is uh, making that improve in a hurry. Um, so there was a huge problem to solve there. And, and what you saw was a shift from job shop mentality, onesie twosie, big satellites to this more continuous process manufacturing, more automotive style of manufacturing. And that's an area that we know a lot about. And so I realized we were able to bring that to, to our clients. So there's a kind of a, a assembly line um, approach. Right. It's a little more, right, right. It's a little more uh, uh, involved. Yes. Um, I'm thinking just about another example where you have, uh, say you're making a plane at Boeing or something, you're going to have mm -hmm. these stands with ladders that roll up to it uh, at stair ladders, right? And it stays there for 24 hours or whatever. In, uh, in, in what we're doing, it doesn't do that. It keeps moving through um, a process. One of the things you offer is a course called Small Sat Mission Success. What can be learned in that course? 
Yeah. So there again, we noticed the knowledge gap. The, mm -hmm. the people in the industry, especially in the academic field and whatnot, are very tech credible, right? They know their stuff. The problem is they are locked into a mentality of the order in which things are done. And the order in which things are done is super important to a guy like me. Mm -hmm. And turns out if you move things around, uh, such as the testing phase, which is often at the end of the project and is the, the bottleneck, right? You've got a problem because now all these systems are shoving against that bottleneck and the bottleneck is causing you to like miss your launch date. Cause if there's any problem, you've got to go back and rework everything. And so we decided to make a course uh, and, and using the knowledge and is of course, just not just me. Uh, I have a video of the, the major causes of small sat failures for free up on YouTube, up on uh, the cold star tech channel. But um, what can we do to like stop those things from happening and stop you from breaking your leg, stubbing your toe, uh, missing your launch date, mm -hmm. uh, so that you can get on this before you start? And and we provide this knowledge at a fraction of one employee's single month salary, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about that, all the people can watch it who who work with you, uh, you get to keep it, and so it's a great value add because. Uh, it's going to change and improve the way you do things, the results you get, that the project timelines are going to be shrunk, and you're going to stop yourself from running into these technical issues. Um, you know, we find that institutional knowledge is lost frequently as people fall out of the organizations. We see this at universities mm -hmm. uh, where they'll have a space department and for four years they'll have this cluster of students and you'll, you'll get experience and then bloop, those students will fall out and suddenly the instructor who's still there uh, has to go back to square one and teach those same basics to the new batch of students. Well, what if you could grow on that instead of going back to square one again? Right at the university or in your organization, so these are these are areas in which that course. Sort of like a sports team where you have to have a have to have a good bench. Yeah, well, imagine imagine that every few years uh, you keep the coach, but you fire all the players, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's got to learn all the plays again, right? It's, there, there's no incremental knowledge or growth there. It's reset everybody. Do you find a common thread running through companies that you work with? Um, in, and let's just focus uh, still on the small set sector. Do you find a common thread of, of things that, that companies do wrong? Um, that testing phase thing is probably a secret <laughs> that I'm sharing there, uh, that you could move that, um, mm -hmm. that you could expand the capacity of that testing phase. That's a, that's a key one. Um, you know, we look for three things in, in clients in any field. It doesn't have to be in space. They have to have a time-based critical mission Okay. okay, whether that's a, a NASCAR pit stop or a, a restaurant drive through fast food drive through same thing, time based critical mission, they have to have a compliance culture. And again, what that means is you got to have rules. Okay, mm -hmm. if there are no rules, there's nothing for us to get up against and, and try and exploit and, and, and work around and that kind of thing right. Uh, and the third thing is desire to be the best and you may sit there Tom and go well doesn't everybody want to be the best best now I will challenge you no Most people are happy with barely adequate are we making some money and so I filter heavily for those kind of clients you know there's a lot of business owners out there who don't want conflict and the 
poking around and the shining the flashlight uh, to get the truth on uh, on people and processes and organization is often an uncomfortable experience. There's usually somebody stealing. You know, we have a fraud prevention department at Cold Star, and a lot of people don't want to hear about that. Right. Uh, so I need to filter for the person, the founder, who will take action when they are told about the bad apple. Right. And so that those are those are common threads as well. Since the space industry is in a lot of ways still in its very nascent stages, and I know that we've been launching things into space for decades, but still this whole space commerce thing is is very, very new in a lot of ways. And there seem to be a lot of startups with little or no product. Is there a difference or a different approach to a startup that you have versus an established company? Well, yeah, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The, mm -hmm. the infrastructure, the systems, the processes, the people are lacking, right? Those capabilities are lacking in a new startup. You've got a lot of chutzpah. You've got a lot to get up and go um, and, and uh, some technical knowledge in that. But really the focus, and this is, this is not me saying this, right? Any, any uh, business person worth their salt will know this. Uh, as a startup, your big job is to figure out like what does the customer want compared to what can I provide and where can I capture the most of the value chain and provide the most value to that customer, right? And and get out there and get a business model working. And so you're in a you're in a discovery and testing phase uh, mm -hmm. to create that. Once you that model right where a lot of founders get bored i've seen them turn their business off when they got to that point and i'm like you're crazy you actually created something or you created the money-making machine right that's where you want your systems your processes your infrastructure and the right people set up and it's a very different kind of uh of thing for example i'm not a maintainer i should not be in a maintenance type job i make a lousy production manager okay but i make a great installer tweaker, you know, a uh, tinkerer, right? How can we improve this, right? That's, or, or, or a startup guy of, uh, hey, we're out there in this vast ocean and what direction do we sail in, Captain? All right, I'm gonna help you do that, right? That's, right. that's exciting to me. So the people that you need and the, and the processes that you need are Do you find that there are a lot of, of people in leadership roles in these companies who are, who have the big idea and then once they, say, okay, here's, here's my, my little satellite. Um, I want to move on to the next thing. They think, okay, I've been there, done that. What's next? Mm. I, I think there's various strata, right, of, of founders. You get a guy like Daniel Faber. Mm -hmm. uh, he knows what it's about, right? There's not a guy uh, other than him who I would want to have on my side of the table in a, in a cap table discussion, right? That guy knows his stuff. He's also well aware, look, we couldn't do DSI. We couldn't do the asteroid mining right now. What do I need to bring my vision back to, to, to be an intermediate step, to gather some of the value chain, to produce something, um, to still be realistic, right, uh, of, of something that we can produce in, in, in a certain amount of time and whatnot, right? Um, and so that guy is going to develop ideas and, and, and then know what he's going to do next, right, or, or be able to figure that out very quickly once he exits from... 
uh, Orbit Fab or whatever the next thing happens to be, right? I think underneath that, there's a strata uh, of two or three strata probably. And then the lowest one is the newbie business owner who never created anything before, uh, probably never worked on their own before, which is a rough experience, right? You got to get punched in the face for a couple of years to figure out uh, running a business. It is not pleasant. There's no rule book you can read or anything like that. Um, that'll, that'll tell you the you know, paint by numbers right. method, right? You just gotta get in there and walk the walk. The map is not the territory. So um, there's folks like that who have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea how to proceed. They have no idea what they would do next. And they really need uh, the guidance that we can provide. So. It sounds like what you're saying is that you're seeing a lot of, of technical people who are trying to start businesses as opposed to business people who want to get involved in technology. Absolutely. It's, it's couldn't have summed it up better myself. Yep. What are some of the regulatory and legal issues that you get up against when you talk with small sat companies and, and other uh, space commerce companies? Okay. I learned this myself. Right, and and uh, we're gonna get into the reason about why I had the show, uh, the Cold Star Project, and, and a lot of it was just to learn this stuff. And so I went out and I found space lawyers, like, and, and I used to joke, uh, "Hey, I know more space lawyers than I know engineers," mm -hmm. and people would laugh, especially outside the space industry, and say, "Ha, you went space law? That's a thing, huh? You know, yeah, it's a very serious thing." Yes. Um, and so what I did was I developed. Uh, agreements and and relationships with these regulatory and and, and space lawyers experts uh, where we can bring a, our client to them and they can get served by that uh, space lawyer regulatory uh, person expert uh, at a very good rate at a, at a much better rate than they would if they were to go out and try and find somebody on their own um, because we have those relationships and so some are internal in our organization and some are external, but we've got those, those uh, areas. So I'm going to list uh, one, two, three, four, five different areas for legal and regulatory small sat missions that I got to tell you, Tom, most of the founders that we talk to, they may know about one or two of these. They don't know about all of them. Mm -hmm. And imagine that. Imagine getting like years into your mission and you're getting close to your launch date. And then suddenly you find out about two or three of these areas, right? Like that's going to freak you out. <laughs> and and uh, I'm not exaggerating. This has happened. So first thing, spectrum, satellite spectrum. How are you going to communicate? Um, we have seen examples of this where folks have forgotten about it, built, gotten into production, manufacturing, and then suddenly realized oh, we need to take care of uh, spectrum. And I recommend you go to Chris Dot's company, Mansat, for that. Um, I'll just plug in there. <laughs> All right. Uh, the FAA is, a, is an area. You mm -hmm. need to get in with the FAA and find out what, uh, what issues they've got. The FCC steps in. Uh, something called NOAA, NOAA, has uh, regulations that affect your launch. And finally, State Department or ITAR may have an area. And so what I recommend is that folks come to us and say, look, we'd like to get the assessment. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's thousands of dollars. It is. Um, but you're getting experts to look at this and to assess in those areas, where the hell are you? 
And what are the gaps? What do you need to work on like now <laughs> in order to meet your launch date? Uh, and otherwise you're gonna screw it up. Uh, and, and you can go to somebody else, that's, that's okay. Um, but I guarantee you we've got preferential pricing. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the spectrum because that's something that I recall way back in the day when um, it was then uh, satellite radio and, and there were two competing companies and there was a big discussion about the spectrum and where it was coming from and what it was going to interfere with. And it was really a, a long discussion before that company could ever begin providing a product that now 99% of people seem to have in their cars. It was. Yeah, it can take a while. Yeah, it, it was an interesting. And you, you have to have. Have to have what? I'm sorry. Cash flow to survive through that. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the Cold Star Project podcasts and how did you get that? You kind of mentioned how you got that started, but expand on that a little bit. Uh, yeah, let's see. Around 2018, um, I wanted to make a show that uh, displayed our expertise on the ability to scale businesses. And that word can mean different things to different people. It's for some, it's just human resources or whatever. For us, it's the processes, systems, infrastructure, people. What do you need in order to grow a business mm -hmm. um, beyond you know, just yourself or a couple of VAs or something like that, right? Um, so I have an entire season of business process improvement and scaling episodes. Some are with founders. Uh, uh, I wanted people who had at least gone to a half a million dollars in revenue, all the way up to, I think, 13 and a half million, uh, to, to share their stories. So it wasn't just me jumping up and down going, look, look, you know, you're going to have problems as you try to grow. Uh, and, and, uh, and then also expertise interviews uh, or, or discussions from myself where I'm uh, explaining a topic or something like that. So I got through a couple, a year or so of that. And then uh, I decided I wanted to get into the space industry and I knew nothing, nothing. Uh, and I created an Asana project with, uh, with a friend's help and mm. chopped it up into different topics. Uh, and that, that project was almost useless <laughs> looking back, but it was a necessary step, right? Like no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. Uh, I had to do it. You know, you need to plan, right? Plans are useless, but planning is, is essential as somebody said. So, uh, so I, I went out and I started learning about these topics and I think I've become one of the great generalists of the space industry. Uh, if I can pat myself on the back a little bit, um, and I, some people know this. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think a lot of people do, so I have to say it as loudly as possible. <laughs> well, um, we'll help you out with that. Yeah, just I, I don't. I don't I think hope. there are many people who have talked to as many different folks in different areas of space as I have, and really see the big picture about how it all fits together. Uh, I still don't know what I'm going to do with all this knowledge. I'm still <laughs> working that out. But, uh, but as far as seeing like how the space law works and the technical side works and the legal and regulatory, you know, and, and, and all these different pieces, um, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to, uh, to know what's in my head anyway. And I like, I like to be able to share that. So, um, so the, the Cold Star Project, I started season two meeting with founders and academics and other experts, subject matter experts in the space industry to learn from them and uh, while I was doing it, obviously I could record it and share it with, with everyone or anybody who was interested. Uh, and that was good. Uh, you know, we, we got to um, the start of the pandemic and I had like 
I don't know, 30 or 50 episodes in the can that I'd recorded. And uh, so I started dealing them out two a week instead of once a week uh, for a long time to catch up. And uh, the audience really liked that. It, it grew the, the channel a bit. And, uh, you know, we could still grow a lot more. I think some of you need to share this with your friends and tell people that it exists. Uh, same thing with the Xterra podcast here. You know, it's great that uh, Tom and I create content and sit here doing our thing, but it's a lot of work and it would be nice if, uh, if folks shared it a little more often, you know. It, it is nice to know you have an audience. I've been a broadcaster yeah. a long time and, and right. sitting in front of a microphone talking to an empty room sometimes. Mm -hmm. is, is yep. Well, most most shows, uh, the audience could fit in a garage, you know, mm -hmm. and I think I think folks need to remember that. Um, season three, I decided to focus on venture capitalists in the space industry and, and talk to them uh, to find out like, hey, how does the money work? And mm -hmm. then season four, which I just started is with operational excellence executives at a company, uh, organizations of a thousand people or more. Uh, and OPEX is obviously at the top of our um, value pyramid, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to get more of that out there. So we'll be seeing more of that as we go on. And I value relationships, Tom. I'm not in it for five seconds. I'm not in it to make a buck hit and run. Right. Um, I, I learned this a long time ago that uh, it, business is so much easier with relationships. Trust is so much better with relationships. Um, knowing the people, knowing who can get the job done, knowing who I can just delegate to mm -hmm. and say, woo, <laughs> that big problem, that's taken care of. Tom's taking care of it. I don't need to worry about that. That's the kind of network that I have built up very quickly. A lot of people um, who, have, who have known me over the last two years believe, and this has happened before, uh, that they've known me a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And that that is the power of uh, focus, sticking with something, being persistent, putting out a lot of content, meeting a lot of people. Uh, there's a big multiplier to it. So how can you be heard? And I know you have a YouTube channel as well. So where can people right. find you? Right. Yeah, we have uh, the video channel, which is Cold Star Technologies. Just look for that. Uh, and the Cold Star Project is on there. If you go to coldstartech.com slash play, because mm -hmm. I want to keep things simple, that's a short link that will take you to the YouTube channel, and it'll take you to a page of playlists. And some are like, I don't know, there's like 185 episodes of the Cold Star Project right now. I've been doing this for a while. Uh, but I've also got it chunked up into pieces. Like if you want to look at lunar mining, right? What's with ISRU and regolith and stuff like that? I've got a playlist for that. You want to look at space law? I've got a playlist for that, right? Uh, and so I've chunked it up. Space situational awareness, uh, another great topic, right? With, mm -hmm. with all sorts of wonderful people. That traffic management thing is really important to me right. uh, personally. And so that's the way of doing it. That's the video version. Uh, I take that and I strip the audio out and I turn it into the podcast, which is hosted mm -hmm. through Anchor. Um, but it's available on Spotify and even Amazon Music and a whole bunch of like, I don't know, a dozen or 16 other places, uh, Breaker, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you go to coldstartech.com slash audio, that's right. the short link to go to the, the um, Anchor central page and from there you could go well i don't want to listen to it on anchor i want to listen to it on breaker or something like that you can click there and and go through um to the other go and subscribe on spotify or whatever you want to do mm -hmm. um right. and for your other business for cold star technologies how do businesses get in touch with you um most of them through linkedin okay that's uh the, that's the usual way we have coldstartech.com uh, uh it's okay 
the website, no website I've ever had said exactly what I wanted to say. Uh, it's a moving target. We're always, you know, developing new services and that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually outdated because I don't refer to uh, the legal side of things and regulatory stuff we can do, some of the other stuff. doesn't matter. Um, most of the people who know me get in touch because they've seen the show. They know the quality of the content. They've had a call with me. Uh, and they're ready to move forward. But uh, yeah, I think LinkedIn is probably the best way to do it. And uh, and just have a genuine conversation with me. You know, if you come yeah. in all spammy, um, shields up, I'm going to shoot you. You know, it's not going to be good. Uh, yeah. But if you come in genuinely wanting to meet and have a discussion, uh, I'm cool with that. Once in a while, when I'm doing my outreach, I'll run into somebody who's like, why should we meet? What's the reason? I don't get it. And they don't get just having a conversation. Right. And, uh, well, that tells me their attitude and uh, where their walls are and that they're closed off and probably not a good fit for me developing that kind of relationship uh, where we have open discussions uh, because the truth is our highest value here at Cold Star, right? Uh, and that can sometimes be uncomfortable. So, um, but, but good outreach, being friendly, very important. Well, Jason, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time today. You bet. Thanks, Tom. That is going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. You can find us on the web at xterrajsc.com and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at xterrajsc. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for listening.